Good evening, everybody. How's it going today? Good. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for asking. It's beautiful. All right. You ready to jump in? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I want to pray first. Is that all right? That'll help us jump in, right? So let's pray first. Father in heaven, thanks uh, for your kindness to us and the fact that you bring us together to this place. I'm grateful that we have a place to be able to uh, meet together and hang out together, to worship you together, to learn from you together. I'm really grateful for that. That's a gift that you've given to us, so thank you for that. Lord, I'm grateful for every person who's here tonight. I don't know everybody's story, and I wish I did, but the stories I know are stories of you moving in on people's lives or people looking for you to move in on their lives, and I pray that you'll move us forward in that today. Connect with us again today. Uh, connect us to you, connect us to one another, help us to belong to this thing called church. In all of its beauty, in all the places where it struggles, help us to belong and to be connected and to find our place with you and with one another. Lord, open your scripture to us and let us uh, see your heart, please. We ask in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So I went to Starbucks recently. You do that sometimes. Oh, never. Oh, never. Oh, we're going to do sarcasm tonight. We're going to do interactive church sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. I never go to Starbucks. Uh-huh. You have an account there, I think, is how it goes, and it's open. So, so I was in Starbucks the other day, and the whole place was packed. You ever go in there, and it's like that? It's all packed. Every single table was full. The room was full. It was packed out, but every single table was filled by one person and a laptop. And which was hard uh, because it made it hard for me to do what I wanted to do there, which was sit and have coffee and open my laptop. Yeah, so I, I want to do the same thing they're all doing. So here we're all, we're all in Starbucks. I'm waiting in line for my table, you know, and to pull my computer out and all those things. And, then, and I just realized what happens in thousands of places, maybe millions of places every single day is a bunch of us get together alone. And I, you know, I've got an office at home, I've got an office here at church, I could, I could sit in either one of those offices, but sometimes I work from home on Mondays and I'm in my little office in my house, and I'm like, yeah, but I want to be with people, and so I go to be with people, alone. It's just, who thought of that? And Starbucks, they don't care how many people are sitting in there with laptops, as long as you're buying coffee and things there. And it's just fascinating, we get to this place where we are together alone. We're starting a series today uh, called The Search to Belong. I believe every one of us is on a search to belong. It looks different for different ones of us. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't shake out the same for any of us. But we're all on it. We're all on this search to belong. The reason we wear the clothes we wear is because we're on a search to belong. The reason we wear the shoes that we wear is because we're on a search to belong. The reason we go to In-N-Out is because we are on a search to belong. And some of you like the burgers, and that's all cool too, but it's like... But that's what we do. We are on the search to belong. So we're just going to talk about that together and figure out what it looks like. Why do we do it? What's it about? What's going on in our soul? How has God designed us for this? Because there's something that God has built into us as human beings that, is, that, that puts us on this search to belong. We live in a world that is filled with aloneness. There's an article that came out recently called The Loneliness Epidemic. And I don't know if all of you will identify with everything that's here, but 
the person who wrote the article, her name was Corey Coutrere, and she um, talks about a comparative study that was done over a period of 30 years. So in 1980, researchers found that 20% of American adults admitted to feeling lonely. 20%. Fast forward 30 years, by the year 2010, that number had climbed to 40% of American adults admitted to feeling lonely. Now, either we're just becoming more honest, or we're becoming more lonely, or both. That was good interaction, but that was not sarcastic. Or, or, oh, there you go, or both. That was good. Okay, good. Thank you very much. I like that. So Brene Brown has written some books that a lot of you have read. Brene Brown has come and spoken at the Leadership Summit for us before, and uh, she wrote a book called The Gifts of Imperfection that really has helped me this last year. And uh, she writes about this loneliness thing like this. She, sh- she sh- uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. She says, shame is believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Mother Teresa, years ago now, said the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible form of poverty. which is fascinating coming from someone like Mother Teresa who worked with what we would look at and say that she worked with severe cases of poverty. We long to belong, but we get lost along the way. Why do brothers unite together to kill cartoonists and then seek to die as martyrs? Why? I think it's because they long to belong. And you go, yeah, 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 but don't, don't lump me with terrorists. Don't lump me with people like that because that's not who I am. No, that's not who you are because you've chosen to go on a path to search for belonging in a different way. But we're all on the search. We're all on the journey to, to find a way to belong. Even church can be lonely, which is weird because we go, no, 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 don't, don't let that be true. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but it's possible to come to church and be alone. It's possible to be in a room like this and to be together alone. We don't like to admit that we're alone. Men, we especially don't like to admit that we're alone. And women, I don't know if you like to, I don't know if you are you know, more willing to admit that or not. But men, we don't, we don't like to do it. So John Ortberg, who many of you know, some of you have read some of his stuff. John Ortberg. Uh, says it this way, he says, people will readily acknowledge being too busy because that makes them sound important. I wanted to ask you before I get, gave you that quote, I wanted to ask you, how many of you are too busy in your life? But you all would have raised your hand, then I would have set you up, and that didn't seem very kind. And then I would, yeah, then I would have been alone. Hey, this is working good, nice. P- no, that's good. People will readily acknowledge being too busy because that makes them sound important, but to say I'm lonely is kind of like saying I'm a loser and nobody likes a loser. The most popular films in Hollywood history are buddy adventures, group adventures, place where, where men or women or men and women together or whatever, they go on an adventure. Because like I remember when, when the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, came out, and the first one is The Fellowship of the Ring, and they get, they get a wizard and four hobbits and two or three humans and a dwarf and an elf together. And there's nine of them eventually, eventually and they form The Fellowship of the Ring. 
It's like four groups or four kinds of people, I guess you call them, I don't know, but four kinds of beings, and they're all together, and they shouldn't be lumped together, but they are, and they form this community. And I love that because I want that. Not that I really want to hang out with dwarfs, but I am one. Yeah, never mind. I love that sense of people gathering together for an adventure. I love that sense of people gathering together to accomplish something great. I love the idea of people banding together to accomplish some mission together. It's the story of the early church. They they gathered together for a mission. It's the story of all kinds of groups, whether they're, they're historical groups or fictitious groups. It's the story of our human history. We love to band together to be a part of something that's bigger than we are. We want fellowship, we want community, we long to belong. The story of Jesus has the same longing. The things that happen in Jesus' life, they show the same kinds of longing that we look for in our own lives. The same thing these experts are writing about. I want you to see some stories in Scripture today. Some of them will be very familiar to some of you. Maybe some of them will be new for you. But if you have your Bible, why don't you open up to Mark chapter 12. And let me just walk you through some of these stories and just talk about the search to belong as we we begin this series together. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. Uh, Did I say 12? Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm just seeing, yeah, just seeing if you're with me. Do you have any sarcasm for that? No, no, okay, not yet. Okay, all right. Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Here's the story. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, since they could not get to, excuse me, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, usually we come to that story and we talk about forgiveness. We talk about amazing faith and the fact fact that, that Jesus granted forgiveness to this man for his sins. And we go through that whole road. And that's all a beautiful part of the story. But think about these guys who carried him in. There was a group of them. that I call them the fellowship of the mat. 
I'm going to find a fellowship group, a name for my fellowship group. They were the fellowship of the mat. I don't know how many guys there were. It says a group of them came and four of them carried them. So it looks like there was four, more than four guys. Maybe there was a wizard, four hobbits, and an owl. I don't know how many there were. But there's this group of people, and they're carrying this guy in. He's paralyzed. He's lying on a mat, and they, they can't get to, the, to Jesus because the crowd is too thick. And so they lower him down to the roof. These guys get it. The fellowship of the mat, the members of the fellowship of the mat, they get it. They initiated care for their brother, their friend, their colleague, whoever. We don't even know who the other guy was. We just know that these guys gathered around him, and they took the initiative, and they said, we're going to do everything we can to get this guy healed. And they banded together. They gave up their time, their energy, their reputation, probably had to you know, repair the roof when they got done. At their expense, they did all that for their friend who was part of the fellowship of the mat. It's like these guys get it. The problem was they lowered their friend right into the bubble of the Pharisees. Right there. Because when they lowered him down, the Pharisees started to grumble. They're like, yeah, you know, you guys shouldn't be having him come in. And then Jesus, you know, forgives him. And they get all grumbly about what was going on with this guy when they lowered him down there. So they weren't very happy, but Jesus was very happy with what they did. And Jesus did what Jesus always does. He celebrates their faith. He, he celebrates their fellowship. And he offers forgiveness. He celebrated their faith. He celebrated their fellowship. And he offered forgiveness. And what happened? In the end of the story, what happened? Yeah, he walked. The forgiven guy walked. He gets up. Jesus goes, get up, take your mat, and go home. The guy gets up, takes his mat, and goes home. He experiences forgiveness, and he experiences the fellowship of the mat. He experiences the fellowship of being with these other men who loved him and who gave themselves up for him. And, of course, the Pharisees are alarmed by this. They're like, this is not how it works. That's not how it goes here. No offering forgiveness. That's God's part, not your part. That's not how it goes. And you could imagine that the Pharisees were upset because Jesus was usurping God's role. Which would be a major concern if Jesus was not the Son of God. But I'm not sure that was the Pharisees' biggest issue. That was their public issue. But I'm not sure it was their biggest issue because I know enough about the Pharisees to know they, they just got ticked off when someone broke the rules. And they were the rules that they wrote. And when someone broke those rules or changed those rules, it cranked them up. See, the Pharisees tended to define, uh, they set rules that defined who could belong and who could not belong. So the Pharisees liked it, they, the, the way they set it up, they're like, well, we're in, and God's in, and that's all. And there's a lot of religious groups that do that. We're in, and God's in, and that's all. And we set up our little formulas and, and formats and rule systems and all those things so that we can say, yeah, we're in, and God's in, and that's it. Oh, you're not part of us, then you're not in. There are Christian churches who have written their rules in such a way that if you don't go to their church, you're not in. 
we're still like the Pharisees today. We want to write it so that we're in and God's in and nobody else is in. Religious people often define belonging by who's the insider. It's very cool to be an insider. It's very not cool to be an outsider. And religious people, maybe more than any kind of person, religious people are the ones who set the boundaries and set the rules and go, we're in, you're not. Or we pick and choose who's in and who's not. Emo Phillips, I don't know if you ever heard about him. He tells a story of coming across a guy on a bridge. I'll just tell you a story as he tells it best I can. He says, I was, I was going across a bridge and I came up to a man who uh, was going to jump off the bridge. And I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, me too. Are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. I said, Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. Me too, I said. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. He said, I said, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reform Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> we long to belong, but get lost on the way. Don't we? And we don't want to admit that we're like the Pharisees, but we're so often just like the Pharisees. And Jesus comes along and he finds us. Jesus comes along and he invites us in. The amazing thing about Jesus, when all the people in the name of Jesus, not everybody, but when so many people in the name of Jesus have excluded everybody who's not just like them, Jesus is the one who comes along and says, let me invite you in. Look at the story that comes next in the, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 13. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. 
Jesus finds Levi at his tax booth. Apparently, they just had a booth set up outside, and when people came down the road, then they would have to stop and pay their taxes. And so he finds Levi, and he's at his tax booth, and Levi was a consummate outsider. He was always shunned in his culture because he collected taxes for the hated Roman Empire that was occupying their territory. He was hated. He was vilified. He was cursed. And Jesus comes along and he invites Levi to follow him. And Levi gets up and follows him immediately. Immediately he felt accepted. Immediately he felt acceptable. You ever been in a spot where you were not accepted? Or ever been in a spot where you felt like you were not accepted? And when you're not accepted or you felt like you're not accepted, how much you feel like you were not acceptable? And here's Levi, and Jesus comes along and he says, Hey, Levi, follow me. And immediately he gets up and follows him, and he felt acceptable to Jesus. I don't know how Jesus asked this. I usually get the picture when Jesus comes across Levi's, Levi's tax booth. I usually get the picture that, that here's Jesus and he's walking along and he sees this tax collector and he knows he's going to put him in the book. And so he goes, follow me. It's like, follow me forever for the rest of your life. And Levi's like, okay, sure. And he goes off and follows him. I wonder if it could have been a little bit like lower key than that. I wonder if Jesus just walked by, if it's possible, he could have just walked by Levi's booth and he said, hey, hey, you want to take a walk? Follow me. It wasn't a big commitment. Maybe it was just a small commitment. And they just took a walk together. And as they took a walk, they ended up at Levi's house. And Levi didn't know Jesus was coming for lunch that day. But by the end of the walk, it was clear that's where they were heading. That's what was going to happen. And maybe Jesus invited him into the big picture right off the bat, but maybe he just invited him for a walk. Hey, follow me. Come on. And he accepted, and all of a sudden he felt acceptable. He felt accepted by God. Never happened for him before. Sometimes people that are not yet believers will talk to me about their relationship with church and I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, if I ever showed up at church, the roof would cave in. I'm like, do they go to school to get those answers? You know, because I hear so many people say that kind of thing, and it's so interesting. It's a statement of fear. And it says sort of in jest, you know, if I ever came in, the roof would, you know, fall down, or the walls would collapse, or, you know, whatever. It's sort of said in jest, but it's a, it's a statement of a real fear. And I don't know which is the greatest fear for people that are not yet followers of Christ, not yet believers in Christ. I don't know if the greater fear is that when they walk in a church, God won't accept them or we won't accept them. And they're on a search to belong, but they're afraid when they come to a place like this that they will be judged, that they'll be outcast that they will not be acceptable to come in. And so they laugh it off by saying, no, the roof would collapse. But what they really fear is that everyone would turn their back on them and say, you're not really welcome here. Jesus walks with Levi to Levi's house, and on that day they have a party at Levi's house. 
Jesus party with all of Levi's buddies, and it seems like he loved every minute of it. I mean, don't you think? Or do you picture Jesus at the party at Levi's house, and they're all having a great time, and there's Jesus over in the corner like, when is this going to be over? Okay, Father, I agreed I would come, but when is this going to be over? Don't you think Jesus was there enjoying the party? He accepted him. And Levi, Levi felt like he belonged. One more story. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Mark writes, Another time Jesus went in the, into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So Jesus enters the synagogue and he sees this man with a messed up hand. And he says to the man, come up. And I've always thought how awkward that must be. You know how much we stare at people that look a little different? They have a physical handicap, a physical disability or problem and, and, and you're trying to do it, you know, you try and do it without letting them know that you're looking, but you end up looking because it's unique, it's different, it's hard not to look. And so what do you think this guy went through? And his hand, it didn't work. And so he comes in the synagogue and it was great that they let him into the synagogue because he wasn't quite perfect, clearly not quite perfect, but they let him in and now he's in there and Jesus, this famous rabbi comes in and he says to this man, come up front. And I'm thinking, this guy in his own heart, he's like, no, 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 no. I just, I'll just stay right in the back. Don't ask me to come up front. Don't put me on the spotlight. Just let me stay in the back and be anonymous. It's going to be awkward for him. And Jesus calls him right up front. Not so that he could stand the guy up front and have everyone gawk at him. He called him up front so that Jesus could stand with him. That's what love does. That's what Jesus does. Calls him up to say, I'm going to stand with you. Jesus made him part of the fellowship. The Pharisees, of course, said, you're not doing it right. They created a fellowship of people who do it just right. It's a very small circle. Jesus created a fellowship for people that don't get it just quite right. If in your life you've got it all dialed in, you don't need Jesus. I mean, really, if you've got your life all together, you don't need him. He didn't, he didn't even come for you. If your marriage is all perfectly right and your family is all perfectly right, and your checking account is all perfectly right, and your soul is all perfectly right, if you've got it all dialed in, you don't need Jesus, and he didn't come for you. 
He said, it's not the, I didn't come to heal the healthy. I came to heal the sick. But if you look at your life and you go, I'd like to think I'm perfect. And some of us are perfectionists out there who tend to lie to ourselves and tell us that we are perfect. But if you look at your life and you go, there's a flaw here or there. There's a, there's a, there's a crack in the wall here or there. Or there's a broken piece over here. Or I limp when I go this direction. Or my family is struggling. Or my marriage is struggling. Or my fa- finances are struggling. Or my soul is struggling. Or any other number of ways that you can be broken. If you look at your life and you go, boy, that's me, I'm broken. Then Jesus came for you. And he came to invite you into the fellowship of the mat. Because the fellowship of the mat is not for perfect people, it's for broken people. And everybody who's broken gets to be in the fellowship that they want to be in. Jesus asked this man to stretch out his hand, which was not a good idea because his hand didn't work. But he responded to Jesus and he stretched out his hand and as he stretched it out, it became full, it became well. And it was amazing. It was never malpracticed to love the wounded. And those who practice loving the wounded are the ones who instigate belonging for others. That's what Jesus did. I love that because I want that. Brene Brown again says, love and belonging will always be uncertain. I don't love that. Love and belonging will always be uncertain. Why? Because we're never sure we're doing it exactly right. Because we're broken. But Corey Coutrere, who I read a little bit earlier, she finishes, it, finishes that up by saying this. Instead of saying, there's something wrong with me because I'm feeling lonely, what if we viewed it differently? What if we thought, there's something really right with me because I'm feeling lonely. I am made for connection. I need to step out, grow, and seek other people who can help me on this journey. There's something really right with me because I'm lonely. There's something really right with me because I end up being together alone. And Jesus says, you don't have to leave it that way. That's the gift. You don't have to leave it that way. to look back in my life and to think when are the times when I have felt like I belong most like I felt like I belong can you think of times in your life where you go oh at this moment in my life that's when I belong I've got some times in my life where I really feel like I belong like when I was on the playground as a child and I was picked early instead of late I could I'm in never happened for basketball but other sports I'm in so good you know what I've learned? I didn't grow up in a huggy, huggy family, but I've learned that I, I feel like I belong when I'm hugged. We're going to have a line out in the lobby now that I've told you that, you know, but, but I feel like I belong when I've been hugged. I feel like I belong when somebody knows my name. I feel like I belong when somebody important knows my name or someone that I think is important knows my name. 
Or when I know someone's name and they know my name back, I feel like I belong. There are certain times in my life when I have felt really strongly like I belong. But then as I look back through my life, I realize that the places where I even more highly felt like I belonged were not the places when someone hugged me or when someone knew my name or when someone picked me. The time when I really felt like I belonged was when I picked them and I hugged them and I knew their name. It's when I initiated it. We're going to start this search to belong together. We're going to start this series. We're already on the search. We're just talking about it together for a month. At the beginning of this journey of the search to belong, can I just invite you to begin by initiating? Jesus was the initiator. Love initiates. And if you always wait for someone else to help you feel like you belong, you may feel like you belong someday, somewhere, sometime, for a time. But if you initiate belonging for others, you will always feel like you belong. That's what Jesus did. What if we were to initiate belonging for others? What if we just made that our practice? What if you made that your practice? You can start by saying hello to the people in your section. Section three. There's 60 of you. Say hello. Not right now, but when we get done. You'll have time. Now, what if you just started by saying, I'm just going to say hello to the people in my section. You actually have their name today. You can greet them by name. Except some of you sneaked in without a name tag. Then you're up to say hi to somebody else. That's your deal. What if we were to start a fellowship of the mat for ourselves? I mean, what if we were to find the people around us who need extra help and we said, I'm, I'm just going to care for you. I'm going to help you get the help that you need. And you stepped into that. What if you stepped into your neighbor's house? Now, some of you are extroverted and really friendly and gregarious and outgoing, and you're in your neighbor's house so often they're like, do you live here? But for some of you, for some of us, it's been a long time since we've just been in our neighbor's house. You know what made Levi feel like he belonged? Jesus came into his house. You're like, well, they won't invite me. They will if you bring cookies. What, what if you stepped into your neighbor's house? What if you took a stand for the needs of others? Maybe we would begin to feel like we belonged. Maybe others would begin to feel like they belonged. Maybe we would begin to feel like we belonged. And the search would begin to be fulfilled through us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, would you lead us in that? You are the master of belonging. You are the master of initiating. You are the master of looking for the needs of others and meeting those needs. And you sent your son Jesus and he lived out your life perfectly on this planet and we can learn from him and so father i pray that we would i pray that you would open the eyes of every one of us we're on this search to belong open the eyes of every one of us where we might be able to initiate belonging for somebody else 
Lord, change our neighborhood through us and change our community through us and change this world through us as we live out the life of Christ to help others belong. Lord, I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.